Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date the 16th of January 2022. The only place in the world where one can relax entirely, you said. A spirit all of its own, you said. Like a wine, it has a bouquet, you said. I did. Well, it's got a bouquet, all right. Doctor, it absolutely honks. It's Paris, Charlie. City of light, city of life, city of love. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and welcome to THE Podcast. If you want to know what's going on in the world of Big Finish's audio drama this week, that is. (laughs) And Charlotte Pollard is very much on our minds, portrayed by brilliant actor India Fisher. Charlie is Big Finish's first companion for 8th Dr. Paul McGann. She started her journey with us and the Doctor, of course, back in the space year 2000. She had many, many exciting adventures with him before moving on, and now she's back. Or rather, we are, as we explore previously uncharted journeys in her adventures with the Doctor in Charlotte Pollard's The Further Adventurous. Before any further Pollard goodness, we stop off for a look at the Ninth Doctor in our Good Reviews Guide, the GRG. Uh, when we'll be looking at <laughs> Ravagers, Christopher Eccleston's first box set from Big Finish, released in 2021, to much acclaim. I'm back! I'm really back in the TARDIS! You did it, old girl! Then we're off behind the scenes with the further adventurous, looking at a story entitled The Mummy Speaks by brilliant Big Finish veteran Alan Barnes. Hello, my name's India Fisher and I play Charlie Pollard. Then, as you may have come to expect, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, packed with the contents of your minds. I don't know why that's scary, but it could be. be. Uh, We uh, we go back to our Ninth Doctor adventure, Ravagers, in our also available segment, reminding ourselves of how it all began for Christopher Eccleston at Big Finish. My name is Christopher Eccleston, and I am playing the Doctor. Following that, the randomoid selectatron will once again be giving you a staggering 25% discount on a randomly selected release. The remission of sins granted by a chosen emancipator of the Church of the Foundation. And then we round things off, of course, with a free 15-minute drama tease of Charlotte Pollard, the further adventurous, The Mummy Speaks! Everyone's looking at some fellow in a turban. We can sneak through the curtain and wait for the mob to pass by. Charlie, we don't have tickets. Well, it sings by the sounds of it. It's got a very good voice. <laughs> Was that a song? Speaks! <laughs> the singing man uh, is back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the singing man, folks? Right in. Singing. <laughs> singing, yes. Send a singing podcast. podcast email to podcast <laughs> at bigfinish.com. Can't speak, sorry. Anyway, I wanted to talk about Charlotte Pollard. Oh, what a lovely song. I don't know, she doesn't speak like that. I don't know why I said Absolute yeah, sure. icon of the Big Finish uh, history, really. Mm. Right out there at the beginning. India Fisher. Pretty much so, Fantastic. Yeah. Lovely voice. Lovely voice. Such a fab actress as well. Mm. Just superb. Lovely human being. And I guess for a lot of people, certainly a lot of early people, a sort of gateway companion, as it were, to Big Finish. You know, I, my, totally. I myself yeah. really got got started with the early eighth doctor stuff with with her and and it, it it sort of defined what big finish was about in those early days and so it's really great that 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 adventure is not over and we're still getting 
getting a bit of uh, Charlie. Yeah, I think so. It's amazing, isn't it? I just, um, I have so many brilliant fond memories of first working with India when we were in Bristol with Paul McGann and you know we didn't know how it was going to go and uh, and they got on really really well and India was India's become you know a great friend of mine um, and um, also I remember at conventions where there were huge uh, queues for her autograph before Doctor Who came back on the telly and it was like she was you know the Doctor's companion well she was Let's be honest, she was. That was well, she weird. is. She yes. is, and she was. But you know what I mean? Like, it was like she was on the telly. <laughs> well, even even to this day, you know, when we had our last Big Finish Day, which I believe she did attend, or it might have been the one before that. Well, I can't, but, I can't remember. We can't, that was long ago. Um, but I, it was it was not too long ago, and the queues were the same. And I remember talking yeah. to people and saying, oh, we've not seen her at a convention for a while. It'd be, you know, I really wanted to meet her. And, you, you know, it's still there, so it's just a delight, isn't it, to, to have yeah. me and Charlie. And it was great for me to go back and, and, you know, write a story for her. You know, Alan, who's script editing, said, oh, you know, I'd really like you to write one. Uh, and I was going to direct it, but I just didn't have the time. So, you know, and I did say to India, you know, we had a little chat on Zoom. I said, I'm really sorry I haven't had the time to, to do this. It was just, There was just so many other things coming through. But, you know. I can't do it everything, can I? Mm-hmm. It's true. Can, it's can I, true. Benji? You, can't, no, you can try. You can try. But I you can try. Aye. Well, it's out this week anyway, Charlotte Pollard, the further adventurous. And uh, you'll hear all about it a bit later, he said, almost being able to speak. The time now, though, for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. <laughs> And as promised this week, we're looking at the Ninth Doctor Adventures, Ravagers. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Ninth Doctor Adventures, Volume 1, Ravagers. I'm back! I'm really back in the TARDIS! You did it, old girl! Endless possibilities and events. Future, past, and everything in between. I have done the thing! Temporal thing radiating from the TARDIS like nobody's business. Doctor, I honestly don't know how this could have happened. Come on, get in. Oh my god! It's alright! It's alright! Don't panic! I'm not panicking. I wasn't talking to you. Centurion! Did you just fall out of the sky or something? So? Yeah. So you lied to her. I meant what I said. Doctor! If you can hear me, you better get here soon! Run for it, lads! Stay here, waving your swords and spears around. You'll be blown off the face of the earth. That macho enough for you? He's really done it now. Nova! Hang on to something! Sir! Stop this! I can't agree more, Doctor. Audrey, no! Put that gun! How can this be inside your police box? Perfectly reasonable question. Target! We're being overrun! We've got to withdraw! That sounded a bit polite for a giant mechanical monster. Don't you? No idea, sir. Who the hell are these people? Just quiet, please, all of you. Sort of terrifying. Pretty much sums it up. What if they grab you and try to wipe your brain? They can try. Right. Shall we get on with this? That's not just amazing, it's... Fantastic! Big finish. 
We love stories. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type Ravagers into the search pane at the top if you haven't already and get on board with Chris Freckleston and his magic bus. <laughs> Turn that one around. Very nice. So first up, we've got one here from Gizmodo, James Whitbrook. Uh, it's wonderful, it's refreshing, and yes, indeed, it's quite a little bit fantastic. Mm. Uh, News.doctorwho-online.co.uk hyphen. We um, are the hyphens from Hyphenate 2. Hyphenos. Hyphenos. Uh, Robert Emlyn Slater says, I can't quite believe that this box set is a real thing. I never, ever thought Eccleston would come back to the worlds of Doctor Who, but I'm so, so glad that he is. If Ravagers is anything to go by, I really can't wait to see what Big Finish have up their sleeves. Let me have a look. It's a watch. Have up their sleeves next. I know that there are adventures with the Cybermen and the Brigadier yet to come for the Ninth Doctor. And if I wasn't excited before, I definitely am now. August can't come soon enough. Uh, And it did. Uh, There's only one word to describe this box set, really, isn't there? And I think everyone knows what it is. You guessed it. Fantastic! 10 out of 10. Thank you. I give that review 11 out of four and a half. A solid, solid number there, I think we'll all agree. <laughs> well, whoreview.com, Daniel Mansfield, the relative of Keith Mansfield, composer for KPM Library Music. Definitely. Day, as I'm sure everybody knows, um, says this is a brilliant way to bring the Night Doctor back into the fold, thrusting him into a mm. three-hour epic for the twists and turns, <gasps> new friends and terrifying enemies. Special mm. praise should definitely go to Camilla Put and Jane McKenna as Nova and Audrey, who put in strong performances throughout. But the star of the show is undeniably Christopher Eccleston, who slips back into the role after 16 years, as if no time has passed. Aided by writer Nicholas Briggs, strong handle on his character. You see, you've already done good with handles, haven't you? With sort of, you know, cups, saucers, kettles, cyberman ears, yeah, you name it. Nick's on it. Uh, Add to that the gorgeous cover art by Tom Webster, great hair, great clothes, and post-production from Ian Meadows (laughs) and Howard Carter. Lovely chaps, both of them. And, well, there's only one word to talk about this release. Do you know what it is, Nick? Do you know what it is? Uh, I think it's uh, tranflactic. What? Uh, Tranflactic for indigestion. Uh, sponsors this podcast <laughs> fantastic everyone likes a fantastic with regard fantastic. to the night doctor we made this network.com baz not bad greenland uh he was uh oh that's the um the Kellyech, isn't it from uh <laughs> the stones of blood benji's just held up in front of me why have you held that up in front of me? i just wanted to hold it hold it up in front of you really Kellyech, Kellyech. <laughs> Anyway, Baz Greenland, back in Baz Greenland's world, um, the land of green. Uh, Ravagers is something special. Spreading the story over the three episodes allows Briggs. Yes, that's me. Briggs, sitting at the back there. Stop writing scripts. Stop it. Stop it now. Allows Briggs to flesh out his mishmash of ideas in a satisfying way while balancing drama, monsters and character in equal fashion. Benji's screen's just gone blank. I I hope he's all right. Uh, But really, this set is about the return of the Ninth Doctor himself. His performance is as great as ever it was. And, oh, Benji's back again. (laughs) 
it's got John Pertwee from the Three Doctors in front of me now. I don't know why. And it kicks off these four sets of the Ninth Doctor Avengers with a bang! Bang, that was. After all this time, he's back. And it simply, guess what he says? Fantastic. Super, I know we've already super, used it. Is it, it, is it says, not it's super? I think it's fantastic. Is it, is it fantastic? What's that old copy of Doctor Who magazine you've is, got there yes. with the Three Doctors on the front? That classic photo shoot. Given to me for with... Christmas by... by a chum of mine look at that That's William pa- Hartnell Patrick, Patrick Trotten Trotten Patrick Trotten Patrick Trotten, <laughs> Patrick Trotten. I have to explain to people that um, it was a, a what was it a speaking bit of software that pronounced Patrick Trotten Patrick, Patrick Trotten. Trotten Patrick Trotten I particularly was it <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the performance of Patrick Trotten <laughs> as a, I think we all did quite frankly Absolutely. My Sorry, I just doctor. thought I'd distract you for the whole of that. Thank you. It was very amusing. Well, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yes, uh, now we're going to read the entirety of Doctor Who Monthly from August number 67. And uh, there we go. What year was that? Um, I'm trying to work. That's exactly what I was Doesn't looking it for. Say the year August, on the front? Or it just says August number 67. Um, and I've got people. Who was the editor? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Was it 1982. 1982, this was. Oh, there we go. Who's the editor then? Advisor of it is John Nathan Turner. Editor is Alan McKenzie. Oh, right. It was back in them there days. Them there days. All right, yeah. There we go. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, Heather E. Houston from the GWW.com will remember those days. Eccleson slipped back into his role after 16 years as if it were made for him. Um, well, it was, funnily enough. Uh, I found the story delightful <laughs> and the characters just super. No, fantastic. Nine out of ten. There we go. Nine out of ten. I give that review ten out of ten. Yeah, why not? Uh, warpedfactor.com, Matthew Crissel or Cressel. Uh, when Big Finish teased Tom Baker's return a decade ago, they promised it's Saturday tea time in 1977 all over again. With Ravages, it's very much Saturday night in 2005 all over again. More than that, it's opened up a whole new set of adventures for the Doctor, who so many have felt left us too soon. Now, for the space of three discs, it's Saturday night in 2005 all over again. And long may it continue. Nice one, Matthew. Let's see. I give that oh, a hundred out of 100. 13. Hundred yeah. out of thirteen. That's that's mm. a huge amount. Well, I know. It's a great review. I'm in a very giving vein. Well, I tell you what, here is a giving vein for you because um, mm. we've we've got something quite special here. Cultbox.co.uk. Ian McArdle yeah. says in 2005, the trip of a lifetime uh, introduced <laughs> both the Doctor and his universe to the modern viewer. The modern viewer. Um, that sounds like sort of some bloke wearing like fun- funky glasses sitting in a space age room. Meet the modern viewer. He watches with only one eye. He lifts his right leg up over his back and is currently doing the crossword upside down in Greek. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Pure genius. By the way, you're wearing, I don't know what's written on your t shirt, but all I can see is Eric. It says Eric. <laughs> It says American Eagle, but yeah, it does just say Eric. <laughs> Eric is all I can see. That's very funny. Eric, Eric, carry on, that's Eric. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, relieved of those duties here, the Ninth Doctor has room to breathe. Uh, whilst his on-screen adventures were primarily Earthbound, Ravager... That'd be a good name for the box set, wouldn't it? Earthbound. Um, that is the that is actually the name of the Space 1999 box set. It's well, coming out this year. There we go. It's obviously... Yeah. 
Great, great minds. Ravagers comes to us head-on with a planet-hopping temporal conundrum full of universal implications. In many ways, it feels like a lifetime since the, Christop the, the Ninth Doctor just burst onto our screens. It's a thrill to take another trip with him, get ready to run again. And uh, here's what I mean by giving, because it's a five stars, but this time it's five full stars, and not five wow. stars, four blue and, and one half blue, one white, so... You know. I wonder what Nissa McKinnon would make of that. Well, yeah, I think Nissa's mind would be blown. <laughs> Blogtowho.com, Susan Hewitt. Hello, Susan! Ravagers so, is a Sam. great... <laughs> so, so, Sam. Susan Mendes. Uh, Ravagers is a great start for a return of a beloved Doctor. It hits the emotional notes while telling a fun adventure to save the universe. Nova is a great character for a companion and Eccleston excelled in his return, not missing a beat. We look forward to more from Big Finish. Can't say fairer than that. Susan Hewitt picks up a special gold award there um, with uh, three and a half out of 0 0.2. I think we deserve a gold award because we both thought of different Susans when, when that. Yeah. Was, you know, hats off to us. We know our Susans. Uh, Trevor Baxendale <laughs> certainly does. Um, so Ravagers is great fun, a three-hour epic of Doctor Who, time travel, flashbacks, peril, jokes and twists with with strong characters, long characters, strong characters in a good, hard story all held together by duct tape. No, by frankly still unavailable <laughs> magical presence of Christopher Eccleston. Bravo. I'm glad there will be more. That's nice. Yeah, I like yes, that. that was on Twitter actually, and I, I identified the next one as on Le Twitter Um We uh, we do know our Susans. I think that's a T-shirt we should have printed. We, know, we our know our Susans. <laughs> we know our Susans. There's probably some appalling double meaning there. Um, <laughs> uh, at Mr. Dr. Gilmore says, really recommend Ravagers. Nine's return was not a disappointment. Can be listened to on its own, separate from the rest of the box sets. Highly recommend it. Can't wait for the next set. All right. Oh, we're getting on it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, Ploppy Le Chien, uh, the highly anticipated Night Doctor box set is brilliantly realised by Briggs Nicholas. That's Nicholas Briggs. Oh, Superb you, story, all brought to life by an amazing cast. That man, Meadows, that's Ian Meadows, sound design, and Howard Carter's music. Bravo at Big Finish. It's fantastic. Nine out of nine. Oh, Ooh, nine out of cheeky, nine. Well, cheeky, that That's, uh, I concur with that. I give it nine out of nine, too. Well done, Ploppy. Ploppy, <laughs> well hello, Lucien. <laughs> that's another T-shirt, isn't it? Well done, Ploppy. Well done, Ploppy. <laughs> <laughs> with a little picture of a toilet roll underneath. No, sorry. Um, at Jeanette's Stent, hello. Jeanette says, listening to the first Ninth Doctor box set Ravagers from Big Finish is an absolute delight. Christopher Eccleston is in sparkling form. The writing from at Nicholas Briggs, at Briggs Nicholas, is spot on. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. It's so lovely to hear. I'm so proud of the work I did on that. And the whole thing shines with exuberance. In a word, guess what? Fantastic! Brilliant. That's what the word was. <laughs> we know our Susans. We know our Susans over here. Justin B. Quinnick certainly does. If nostalgia oh, yeah. hyped you for the Night Doctor Adventures Ravagers by Briggs Nicholas, you will be satisfied. Uh, simultaneously, you will the, be satisfied. <laughs> Sorry, the cushions of evil. Uh, <laughs> subsequently, um, simultaneously, the energy from these stories feels unique and invigorating. A bit like uh, a cold shower after a run. Uh, never listens <laughs> to Big Finish. here <laughs> new to Doctor Who. Listen to this. A hefty ten out of ten. Wow, I give it a hundred out of a hundred. 
Uh, this is from at Jeff Cockwill. I think that's the name, isn't it? Uh, through thoroughly, I can't read. Thoroughly enjoyed the first episode of hashtag Christopher Eccleston back as the ninth Doctor in hashtag Ravagers from at Big Finish exclamation mark fast paced comma exciting and intriguing dash also great music dash and a bang on performance from Chris very familiar it's like he never left great work at Briggs Nicholas and team exclamation mark exclamation mark. <laughs> we know our Susans. We certainly do. I give, I give that. Oh, sorry. No, carry on. What are you going to give? Fifty-one out of twenty-two. Fifty-one out of twenty-two. The same review numbers. that um, David Cooper got in seventeen eighty-two. Um, Correct. F.A. Hoovian here says the Night Doctor Adventures Ravagers Nine is back. I'm so happy. Loved it all. Food fight was probably the best. Followed by Sphere of Freedom. Cannot wait for more stories with Nine. Welcome back, Chris. That was all in capital letters as well, so it was a lot of shouting. It certainly was, but uh, I'm not I'm not gonna ruin my voice for anybody. No, no. So I give that four out of five because of the capital letters upset me. Upset. <laughs> it's a lovely review though. <laughs> but you know, I have to be firm but fair. Uh, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time we'll be talking about something else really close to my heart. The Third Doctor Adventures Volume Seven. Goodness me. Quite. Here he is. It's John Patwistle in the building, popping up. There. Um, only Nick can see that, I'm afraid. Still to cover the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And our also available segment returns to the Ninth Doctor Adventures to relive the thrills and spills of Ravagers. But first, let's delve behind the scenes with The Mummy Speaks, the first exciting adventure in this week's Eighth Doctor box set, Charlotte Pollard, The Further Adventuress. Hello, my name's India Fisher and I play Charlie Pollard. What makes a 3,000-year-old mummy turn to crime? Galliostro has my heart. You're in love with him. You don't understand. No, no, it's all very continental. I think he means it literally. So we've just recorded the uh, new Eighth Doctor and Charlie box set, uh, which was great fun. Uh, I think what's going to be the first story was The Mummy Speaks. And, well, we find Charlie and the Doctor in Paris... They're meant to be going to La Belle Epoque and uh, Charlie's greatly looking forward to having her portrait done by Toulouse-Lautrec. But uh, they arrive a little early, as is the way with the TARDIS, and Charlie's slightly worried that she's going She's going to head for the guillotine as an aristo in disguise, which, of course, she is. My name's Alan Barnes and I created Charlotte Pollard. I script-edited uh, Charlotte Pollard, the further adventuress. Uh, and I wrote The Mummy Speaks. It, it is terrifyingly 20 years since um, the original Eighth Doctor and Charlie series, which seems impossible. So, yes, I mean, that was just a, a blatant excuse to, to wallow in nostalgia for those great days when, um, you know, Eighth and Charlie were running around putting the universe to rights and, and I had a big, long, floppy fringe. Without hesitation, I, I, I leaped on doing a revisit set somewhere between you know the first and second seasons of the um, of the original Charlie series. I, I know there is an appetite to do you know to to follow up the girl who never was. You never know; we might do it one day. But but for now, you know, we felt that because it's the you know it's the 20th anniversary, it's the, you know, we wanted to do something which very much 
It is a blatant nostalgia exercise. And why not? Hello, my name's Emma Haig, and I'm the producer of this episode of The Eighth Doctor and Charlotte Pollard. Hello, I'm Ken, and uh, I've directed for you, uh, for your listening pleasure, uh, The Mummy Speaks. I'll explain why the box set is called Doctor Who, Charlotte Pollard, The Further Adventuress, is because the first episode that we meet Charlie with The Eighth Doctor, she references herself as an adventuress. So Alan was very keen to to bring it kind of full circle for this box set and call her a further adventuress. So that is why the box set is called what it is called. Why would anybody bring a mummy to a big old chateau in the middle of nowhere in the wee small hours on a Wednesday? Let's find out, shall we? It's an amazing story. It really made me laugh. I think Alan Barnes has been thoroughly enjoying himself with this one. There are mummies brought back from the dead. There's carnival folk. There's robberies and police chases and a giant gorilla, as you do. So, you know, it's the usual fare, really. I saw something about um, some scientists who made a, a 3D scan of the larynx of a mummy and sort of basically fed this model through a computer and, and um, processed what the mummy would have sounded like. So, you know, you could, you could hear, you know, the sort of grunt of an actual mummy, which was, uh, you know, completely fantastic. And immediately I went, oh, oh, oh look, I found a story here. And so uh, you can look that up. And that idea wouldn't quite go away. And it, it made me think of there's a, an Edgar Allan Poe story called Some Words with a Mummy, a sort of a sketch, it's sort of almost a comedy sketch actually, you know, in which uh, somebody speaks to like a 3,000 year old. My name is Cyril Henry and I play Carset in The Eighth Doctor, The Mummy Speaks. It's actually, I think, my second or third time I've worked with Big Finish on the Doctor Who spin-off stroke series. I love this script. It's it's very tongue-in-cheek, this particular script, The Mummy Speaks. It's almost carry-on at points. Um, you know, it's fantastically funny and um, it's vibrant and, you know, getting to play a, an alien character is, is, is just wonderful. Mummies hardly ever speak in movies, do they? I mean, there's uh, the, the, the uh, original mummy in the 1932 mummy sort of becomes this sort of main character, but that's, that's never followed through. But almost every sort of film mummy since has always been this sort of shambling unspeaking serial killer you know but that's about it so you know i was suddenly interested in doing a sort of you know you know verbose mummy of some kind and i thought that was you know potentially an interesting avenue to explore years ago i wrote a um an eighth doctor audio called nevermore which was set on an edgar Allan poe planet which you know basically indulged my Edgar Allan Poe fascination by referring to virtually every Edgar Allan Poe story, except the, possibly the most famous one, possibly, you know, The, the Murders in the Rue Morgue, as you will probably know, is about a detective story in which, you know, a, a giant gorilla is eventually unmasked as the, the uh, murderer. Uh, and that's set in sort of 1840s Paris, as is this film, and that started making that and suddenly I was thinking of Paris, and I was thinking of, and, and it just all sort of just ballooned from there, just ballooned, uh, like all good stories do. And, um, and and that was it. Uh, hello, I'm Mark Elstob, and I'm playing uh, Le Roi and uh, the Baron and carriage driver and assorted barkers and uh, I think a couple of soldiers in The Mummy Speaks. 
He's the Prefect of Police, the self-important, officious individual. Uh, I'm not sure how effective he is as a, a lawkeeper, but uh, <laughs> that's his job, and he does it to the best of his ability. <laughs> Corpulent copper, he's described as uh, in the script. <laughs> Describes him pretty well. <laughs> and it's always great fun to voice the sort of uh, supernumeraries, the barkers, because a lot of this is taking place in a, in a, a carnival, in a sideshow, so there's a lot of uh, carnivalesque background uh, stuff going on. Hello, I'm John Banks, and in this series of stories featuring Charlie Pollard and the Eighth Doctor, I'm playing a variety of characters. In the first episode, The Mummy Speaks, I'm playing Cagliostro, who has a carnival attraction, and his carnival attraction is Carset, the Mummy, who is thousands of years old, who Cagliostro is able to miraculously reanimate and gets Carset to interact with the audience. The audience can ask him all sorts of questions, and it seems, again, slightly in a slightly sinister way, that Cagliostro has got a great power over Carset, who appears to be genuinely a several thousand years old mummy. Ah, rope. Thank you, Guy. I'm also playing Guy the Gorilla, which I have to say is a bit of a highlight and was a lot of fun to do. This is not the first time I've played a, a primate or a creature or an animal with Big Finish. I think the previous primate was a chimpanzee called Franklin who featured in a fourth Doctor story. He was an incredibly intelligent uh, creature and I have to say I'm glad that Guy is also an exceptionally intelligent primate. I'm Joe Kramer, I'm a composer, and I wrote the score for Charlotte Pollard, The Further Adventurous. For me, it ticks one very important box for 13-year-old Joe Kramer, which is, you know, working with all of the doctors from the original series that are at Big Finish. Paul McGann was the one I hadn't had a chance to work on a story for him. And so this ticked that box. And so despite the schedule and despite it falling sort of in the middle of a bunch of other projects, I couldn't say no and was delighted to be asked to participate. In terms of the music, Paul's TV movie was scored by John Debney and it was done in the 90s. So it had a fairly contemporary sound to it, relatively speaking. There was a big change in the available technology between 86, 87, 89, and 96 when they made the TV movie. And therefore, some of my usual modus operandi of evoking the sound or, or flavor, musical flavor of the original stories from a particular doctor's era wasn't quite so drastic with this. So I did something that was more in my wheelhouse right from the beginning, which was an orchestral symphonic score with a motivic approach. And I feel like if you were to go through the Doctor Who stories that I've done, specifically involving the Doctor, you would find a sort of through line in terms of approaches that I take, musical solutions I come up with to address certain kinds of situations, like a funny situation or a threatening situation, or a moment where I need to create a sense of urgency in the listener, things like that. And I've deliberately chosen to have those things kind of mirror each other from doctor to doctor. I did the sort of approach that I would do in terms of the music that I wrote. It's much in line with what I had done for like my Collins story of absolute power or my Sylvester story for uh, the defectors. 
but it was with those very 80s kind of synthesizer sounds. In this, it's similar music, but it's done with a symphonic orchestral palette. Charlie, uh, you know, obviously I, I created her in Storm Morning, and what was so glorious about writing Storm Morning is, is because I didn't go to the original recording, the very, very first recording, which was done in, in Bristol. And so the first I heard of, of, of India doing Charlie was, was in a trailer, I think. I got sent a trailer. And it was just uncanny because this was India. She just was Charlie, exactly as I'd imagined her. Exactly, precisely. Every intonation was just perfect. She was just, it was, it was uncanny and, and wonderful and extraordinary. And, and ever since then, I mean, I just, I, I always relish the chance to, to, to go back to Charlie because I feel I kind of know her so well just go to bigfinish.com and type charlotte pollard that's c-h-a-r-l-o-t-t-e space p-o-l-l-a-r-d into the search pane at the top to find a whole host of thrilling charlotte pollard adventures with the eighth and sixth doctors but in particular the further adventurous oh um <laughs> 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 um were you a bit surprised by that <laughs> oh um <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We know our Susans. We do, we do, we do. We certainly do. I've got it on the T-shirt. We've had it pressed in the, in the time in which we've made this podcast. All right, Eric. And don't forget that at the end of this podcast, we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of this great new box set. Oh, The Further Adventures. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah. it's time for me to say... Are you ready for this? It's listeners' emails. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to know your Susans to uh, send us an email, but it does help. <laughs> and if you want to get it in, all you have to do is send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Get it in and we might read it out. And that's exactly what happened to Rob. Rob sent an email in and it gets read out. Hello, gents. Uh, thanks. for. T- oh, I'll tell you what we haven't done in a while. This was hmm. sent to us on the um, 7th of January 2022 in the year of our Lord 2206. Well, we used to do that on the Benji and Nick show. I just we wanted now to bring, do it again. Bringing bring it across. I just, I, I miss, I missed it. I missed it. Yeah. So, right. uh, hello, it's gents. In the future, that comes from the future. This. Well, that's it. It's, it's actually sent in liquid form because all, all letters will be sent in liquid form. You have to go. Oh yes, I understand. Oh no, no, I don't agree with that. Yes, yes, I did that in Embrace the Darkness. You know, I had information being uh, like food. Really, so you have to it, consume. Yeah, so they they go into the, the, this alien place, and there's like a bowl with this strange liquid in. And as they as they drink the liquid, they start to understand things. Oh, I wish I had some of that liquid. I'd love to understand <laughs> things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I try it every morning, but uh, it never works. Yeah, cornflakes just doesn't do it the, the same, does it? Really? The only thing is that I know my Susans. Well, that's something that can't be taught. It's simply it's a skill True. that is picked up from birth. Hello, gents. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. And that was it. We just decided not to read the rest. No. Um, <laughs> he I did hope- actually put a note saying you can condense it if you like. I don't want to monopolize your time. <laughs> in brackets, bless him. Bless. It's quite a short email. We're all right. We're used to well it. Well done, Rob. We're used to it. I hope that the new year is treating you well and that Santa was good to you. Certainly was. <laughs> uh, I've been enjoying the steady stream of news in recent weeks slash months regarding where everyone's favourite time traveller is headed throughout 2022. I'll admit, I was a bit apprehensive about the end of the monthly range <laughs> and still think it would be fun if we could find a way to hit that magic 300 button. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, but... 
that ship has sailed. Goodbye. But uh, can't say that I've been displeased with the news that's come out since. I'm really chomping at the bit here to learn more about what's in store for Peter, Colin, Sylvester and Paul. Sounds like a new sitcom, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I'd watch it. Uh, hopefully, quick question though, regarding something uh, which feels like it's gone a bit by the wayside mm. as the news about more recently announced items has come out. Would you be able to provide an update as as of to the status of Companion Chronicles Series 14, Second Doctor, Volume 3? Mm. I'm very, very cognizant uh, of the events uh, of the last two years and the need to keep the older members of the Doctor Who family safe and protected. That is and always should be priority number one here. It's just that I was in my account recently and noted that in Feb, uh, it will be four years since I pre-ordered the set, and I can't actually recall the last time I heard any updates about its status. Are these written slash recorded? Is it likely to be put back into the release calendar sometime in the near future? I dearly love the Companion Chronicles range. I've been missing it and hope it returns to my ear things sometime soon. Kind <laughs> regards, Rob. Rob, you win me over by the use of the term ear things. Obviously a regular listener to the podcast, so thank you. Um, yes, Rob, very, very sorry about this. Um, it's because um, a particular member of cast couldn't um, make the original recording. It has been written and recorded. And I know that, well, it was scheduled to take place a couple of days before this um, podcast is released so fingers crossed that's happened the recording session and the story can be put together and and it will be back on the release schedule so really really sorry about that it was sort of events beyond our control so you know when uh, a member of the cast is uh, a returning character so you absolutely need them to be in it but they've got other work all of a sudden and are not available to do a recording um, that presents challenging problems for us I'm doing a recording like that tomorrow with someone um, where we're just managing to catch them for a morning to uh, do a hell of a lot of work with them. So I will be exhausted tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> so yes, it will be coming soon. Anyway, next up. Yes, it had to happen. Nissa McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> she sent this in the year of our Lord, 1008. So a very a long time ago. Yeah, on the 9th of January anyway. Hello. Hello there, big Finnish crowd. With a special shout out to Heather, who was presenting last week as well. It was a pleasure to hear you. I do hope you come back. You were fun to listen to. There you are, Heather. You were fun to listen to. She's listening to this going, oh, get lost. Uh, <laughs> as to red or purple stars, we're into Nissa's uh, specialist area here about the number of stars after reviews. As you may remember from your science class, when it comes to stars, red is the cold end of the spectrum and blue is the hottest. Blue, white, yellow, Sol, our sun, uh, which is, you know, you see orange and red from hottest to coolest. So the red purple are cold red stars trying to become blue because oh, Benji was all, seeing those. Yeah, yeah. And the white is just ace. Oh. I think this converts to one pot of tea and a tray of cake and those nice sandwiches. <laughs> I do like those nice sandwiches. <laughs> Um, you know when other listeners hear that there will be more Nissa content, I do not think they are thinking of me. <laughs> Your next slogan should be, or could be, sorry, I, I misrepresented you there, Nissa. Big finish for the love of Nissa. 
of Traken brackets, we promise. I think I am just in the top ten nissers. Gasp! If you are not Nick, who is Benji? Glenn Close. Is he Chevy Chase reincarnated as a terrier? <laughs> what? The ball is now on your Cluedo board. Also, Liz. Liz. Question mark. Well, I do want to join Lisbeth Miles as a writer of Big Finish Stories, which will let me meet Sarah Sutton. Uh, there, I have to mention my second and first things I want from you now that everyone knows it cannot happen. <laughs> I do not write well enough for you yet. Do you think? Okay. Also, I'm a Canuck, member of the Commonwealth. Please do not think me an American. I think I must have inferred that you were an American. So you're a Canadian. So there you go. Canuck. Sorry about that, Nissa. Canuck. Canuck, yes. I had to look that up. I hadn't heard that term. Canuck. It was, it was originally spelt with a K, but has been spelt with a C since sometime in the 1800s. I can understand can the change. C-A-N-U-C-K. Well, of course, Canada begins with a C as well, I presume. But I it presume. Was originally... I presume. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah, does. Yeah, they, they've changed it to a K in spite of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was originally spelt with a K when it was well, first introduced as a word. But... Um, unless you meant North American, uh, also known as Turtle Island, or American as someone who lives on this large landmass between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Sorry, she says, Nissa McKinnon. No, Nissa, it is me who is sorry. I'm sorry for, for that. I know that Americans and Canadians are not happy at being misidentified as one or the other, and that's fair enough. I suppose it would be the same with the the English or the Welsh or the Scottish and the English or the, yeah. Dalek, Cyberman, you name it. I mean, the the Canadian accent is, you know, the British often confuse the two, but it is quite different. Mm. The Canadians pronounce their T's, whereas the Americans sort of elide them into D sounds. And um, the English that. drink them. <laughs> hey, that's a Our real generalisation because I know there are some regional American accents which do that as well. And whew, anyway, don't whew. get us started on Brooklyn. Anyway, <laughs> don't know why that's that's a catchphrase. Don't get us started on Brooklyn. We know our don't, Susans. We know our Susans. Don't get us started on Brooklyn. Uh, we got one here from Clive Lewis, uh, sent uh, the 9th of Jan, twenty twenty-two, the year of our Lord, sixteen oh nine. Another person with a quill. Yeah. Just imagine all of these written in front of a nice that nice, little scratchy noise. Little scratchy Can you noise. Nice the scratchy crackling noise? fire. I can't. <laughs> can't do it. That sounded like a, a, a mouse on, tutting. I, I can. I can deal with this. Sort of. No, it needs to be scratchier. Yeah. I don't know, I give up. Um, good afternoon, Dalek Nick, and hi there, Benji. I just wanted to say <laughs> that Heather has to come back as a full-time host on the podcast. There we go, Heather, come back. She was brilliant and completed you both perfectly. I would love to hear her again and just wanted to let you know. Uh, oh, can't wait right. for the rebrand of the Nissa McKinnon podcast. Nissa would, would welcome that as well. Uh, mm. Rest in peace, Pip and Cheerio. Thanks in advance for all your help. Kind regards, what? Clive Lewis. Why did you say rest in peace? Oh, it says Pip Pip. Oh, I don't know. I thought it said rest in peace. Pip Pip and Cheerio. <laughs> that's, 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 rest in peace. That's when people are dead. I know. I was reading it thinking... It would be brilliant if someone wrote into the podcast and said, rest in peace, Nick and Ben. I really thought it said for some reason rest in peace. It's because the 
Pip Pip. The Pip is in capitals. The first Pip. pip and you thought pip. it was R I P. And so I just looked because I'm reading quickly. <laughs> I thought it said R I P Pip and Cheerio. And in my mind, I was as as I was reading it, I was thinking. Maybe did Heather say something last week about Pip and Cheerio dying? Maybe they're two animals. <laughs> and it, it became it's a huge internal turmoil. R.I.P. Pip and Cheerio. <laughs> yes, that on a shirt. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So you, uh, yes. Yeah, so th- thank you, Clive. Um, we can't have Heather back because she's too expensive, and t- the the things she lists in her rider are ridiculous. She asked for a fruit bowl. Oh, not the fruit bowl. Yeah, but the fruit, a fruit bowl. bowl. The size. Of an automobile. Yeah. <laughs> and not a little automobile. A big... The Batmobile. Uh, I can't think of any other American Claymobile. Um I don't know, but she keeps it in her trunk. There we go. <laughs> She's not an elephant. <laughs> um, anyway, no, we, we'd love to... <laughs> we'd love to have Heather back. If, yeah, I think she she did say, I hate this podcast and I'm never coming back. Yeah, firm times words. I firm here. words. Um, but no, she she did enjoy it. I think I also someone uh, there was someone else wrote in to say how brilliant she was, and I I forwarded that. No, it was it was you, Clive. No, it was definitely you. I forwarded this email to Heather, and she's very grateful to you. So thank you. You you made her very happy. And that is it for the emails this week. You'll be pleased to hear. Mega, mega, mega email stuff right there. Uh, the Randomoid Selectron will be returning very soon, giving you a Ooh. 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Who knows what it will be? Well, I do, because I've randomised it myself. You've just you just I've done it, the button, I have to so you've you got it yeah, ready. Yeah, I've got it ready. Ooh. I can see what it is. It's glistening. That's a little behind-the-scenes yeah. tip, isn't it? Um, uh, but before that, it's time for Also Available. This week, a reminder of how the Ninth Doctor's journey began with Big Finish. Brace yourselves for words of wisdom from Chris Eccleston as we revisit Ravagers. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of the Ninth Doctor Adventures. I'm back! I'm really back in the TARDIS. You did it, old girl. Pulled me back through time and space. You are amazing. You know that? This has been on our radar for a long time, a long, long time. Um, We'd hoped we might be able to lure Chris to Big Finish months ago. I mean, possibly years ago, I think. And there's been lots of discussions, lots of approaches. And it's taken some time for us to reach the point where um, it all came together, where Chris was available, ready to go. And we got underway on planning this brand new era for the Ninth Doctor. They've been working their way across eternity, leaving a trail of destruction and emptiness wherever they go. Why are you sending me towards them? Because, Doctor, you're next on the menu. But why? That's for me to know and you to find out. If you have time. There were lots of different ways we could have gone with it. Um, I mean, I guess an obvious way to have gone would have been to have told new stories with the Doctor, the Ninth Doctor and Rose, or the Ninth Doctor, Rose and Captain Jack. We've actually explored an earlier time for the Ninth Doctor because, of course, when we first saw him on TV, it was pretty much, in retrospect, I guess, his final days. It was his, the final few days of his um, incarnation where he met Rose and she helped him find part of his own humanity. She grounded him in a way. We decided to go to the, the early days 
of the Ninth Doctor. There's this whole unexplored territory, everything that happened before he met Rose. Um, Loads of stories to tell, so much potential, and that's where we start with Ravagers, and that's where we'll carry on going as we work through the box sets. Hello, I'm Nicholas Briggs, and I am the writer and director of the Ninth Doctor Adventures, Ravagers. If you seriously think you know how to deal with just about 80 Roman legionaries displaced in time and space who probably think they're fighting spirits and monsters, then feel free to issue me with some orders. If not, maybe leave it to me. Well, I had several ideas about how to start the Ninth Doctor era with Big Finish. Um, Several little blind alleys, but then... I'd had an idea pootling around in my head about what would it be like if something catastrophic happened in the universe and people just started turning up in all the wrong times. And I talked for some time uh, about uh, and discussed with people about the notion of, you know, Romans suddenly turning up in a relatively modern setting. When my initial ideas didn't quite land, I suddenly thought, it's that, isn't it? So kind of I took a deep breath and one Sunday afternoon I wrote 22 pages. And it was mainly the Roman situation, but it was all the other stuff in, uh, you know, the Doctor with uh, Nova in the sphere of freedom and her being snatched away, him then remembering while talking to Audrey what had happened with the Romans. And it was just, I thought, I wanted it to start with a bang. I wanted it to start with the Doctor being triumphant, about to solve something, so we see him at his absolute best immediately. And then we whip back and see how it all well look first of all we see him at his absolute best and then everything goes catastrophically wrong he seems to be on the cusp of victory and then whoosh the woman he wanted to save is gone and he's devastated by it and then he picks himself back up and that's what i wanted to see to contrast the triumph with showing the doctor's innate strength where no matter how badly he's beaten he always has hope and he always finds optimism somewhere sometimes it's a struggle for him but because he's seen so much in so many times and places he can always find that reservoir of optimism somewhere deep within him no matter how deeply it's buried but that's what I wanted to start I wanted him to be running immediately I think it's like when I was uh, much younger and I'd considered writing one of those Doctor Who virgin books you know, I wanted to start the story with someone running along, screaming out, Doctor, TARDIS door opens, he turns around, there he is. That's the kind of vibe I wanted to go for. My name is Christopher Eccleston and I am playing the Doctor. Thank God, what's... Right! Now I get it! Are you talking to me? No, but don't worry about it. My lips are sealed. Due to Nicholas's writing, I was surprised. I think we started on Tuesday and I was surprised at how very quickly I I, I seem to recall the choices I made 15 years ago and and did them. It was odd, odd experience, really. He He was still hanging around. He takes the universe very seriously. It weighs heavily on his shoulders. And when you hear Chris speak about the part, you know, he speaks about the part and the show with a great analytical quality to what he's saying and and a seriousness about it even though there's a great deal of lightness in what Chris does in the studio and we you know over the last three days of recording this and I have literally just finished we laughed a lot he was very funny he told a lot of jokes and sang a lot of songs we had fun 
I'm tired now. <laughs> I came into it off the back of a very, very long television shoot. I was very fortunate to work in such a year. A job that was supposed to start in April was pushed until September. I think I finished on Saturday night last week. I went from one job to the other, very fortunate, but I'm, I'm ready for I'm ready for Christmas now. I'm sat down doing this interview. I've been on my feet doing the whole thing, but I'm sat down now. It's been easy working with Chris. It's been fun, and he's so sharp about taking a note. You know, you give him a note, and he's standing by. He knows what to do. He's, he's off, and it's... Um, really rewarding and can switch his performance round really radically just for one you know my, the only thought with my directing is that I tend to as you can tell with this answer tend to try and find about five ways of explaining the same thing but I quickly began to realize that you only need to say it in one way to Chris and he's got it straight away which is you know one of the reasons why he's such a successful actor pre who and post who I've always tended to play very troubled characters and because it's the staple of drama characters who don't have the answers so it's it's nice to play somebody who has all the answers and if he's not got the answer he's pretty confident he's going to get it it's a heroic role and i don't play those i don't i i, I you know it's not not something you get to do often so a little bit like playing morris actually in in a show called the a word they're optimistic people they're always unquenchable and I think there's a great freedom in playing that front foot and joy and love positivity all those old-fashioned things it's ebbing away imploding fizzling out however you want to put it you know like we're all flipping doomed I don't know how else I can make it any clearer I think they have to be fallible to a certain degree and I think you know in the scripts that we've just recorded and traditionally in Doctor Who, he, his assistant, he relies on his assistant. He relies on his assistant for answers. So to contradict what, he doesn't have all the answers and he's not, he's not concerned about that. He feels, again, it's a shard of his optimism that he will pick a companion who will provide that for him. Hi, I'm Camilla Beepert and I play Nova. Hang on. I don't even know your name. Nova. Nova? Just Nova? What's wrong with that? Nothing. I just thought you might be Nova Smith or Brown or Zingachalarian or something. Well, I'm not. How about you? Just call me Doctor. Nova is a woman with a difficult past. She works as an indentured slave, as a chef, and she works really, really hard for very little. That has given her a very tough exterior. But inside, she's... She's just a little sci-fi nerd who wants to be loved. And, um, I, yeah, I can totally relate to her. I put up my, my front now and then when I, when I feel uh, insecure or nervous. But inside, I'm just as vulnerable as she is. We're stuck. You seriously have no idea how many times I've found myself in precisely this situation. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Let's find out. Well, initially, um, doing the audition was a great intro into the script because um, it was so much fun to do. The audition was great fun. It's very energetic. It's um, full of action, which I really enjoy doing. And Nova is very, she's a very spunky, sparky character. She's got a lot of attitude. She's a lot of fun. 
he has an instinct about Nova that there is something missing from her life, a tragedy, I think, which he unearths, and I think there's a parallel there because the Doctor has lost his planet and he's lost his people, and I do think that's the main thrust for him. He's forever on the run from a deep, deep sadness, and I think he has learned to convert that into joy and, and into positivity, and I think he senses a similarity in Nova and also he senses huge intelligence, instinctive intelligence, but most of all, he senses empathy and he can always work with empathy. Hello, I'm Jane McKenna and I'm playing Audrey Mohinson. You really don't get it, do you? No, because all I and millions of others got was never-ending work, a rubbish food allowance and a cramped sleep unit in the slums. Oh, there was no time to build a utopia. No time? Is that your excuse? There should always be time to be kind to your fellow creatures. Oh, spare me your trite moralising, Doctor. What's well, a lovely one with this because I sort of felt when I was cast in it that there was a, a degree of, OK, you're the right person for this job. And I certainly feel that way. I suppose I'm in command of my own little fleet at home. So there's a, an intensity to her, but there's also a, an altruistic side, which you find out obviously later on that she's actually trying to do something really good. But with that comes sort of intention and determination and um, and all the, the, you know, the sort of myriad of emotions that that takes her through. Don't you get it? The technology I used was created by his people. Perhaps even by him, I don't know. He seemed to know more than anyone. He teased me with his great knowledge. Yes, I thought he would finally come and save me. Save the universe. But I was wrong. I'm a sci-fi fan myself, so I can certainly conjure up those images in my head and, um, and play them. And what's going to be fantastic is hearing it all put together when the geniuses get their hands on it and... Um, and put all the, you know, all the various effects in. I just can't wait, can't wait to hear it. Doctor? Doctor? Have you given up on me already? Have I failed? Just go to bigfinish.com and type Ravagers into the search pane at the top to catch up with this time-bending planet-hopping adventure. <sighs> Well, we're just minutes away from our 15-minute drama tease for The Mummy Speaks. That's <laughs> underneath The Bandages, starring India Fisher and Paul McGann. But first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. OK, Benji, you've pre-selected it. What is it? Absolution. Oh, that's a very... Uh, yeah, that's... Ran... That is a Paul McGann adventure, and it's the second to last of the Charlotte Pollard adventures. That's grand nose. And I promise you, I I promise you that it is it is ran. I promise you, it's not. This is not a, a, a joke at all. Well, this is only available as a, a download now. But anyway, have a listen to the trailer. Absolution. Now. What is this place? A laboratory, from the looks of it. The remission of sins granted by a chosen emancipator of the Church of the Foundation. We appear to be standing in the heart of a vast 
interdimensional probe. An emancipator hand-picked from the Eutermison masses and rewarded for obedience and total devotion. I thought I saw something, sir. At the edge of the barrier. One governed by the laws of a timeless universe to which, should he ever leave it, he may never, ever return. There, look. Look. Looks like it's coming this way. Straight. It's one of those black angels. Volanthia, this is blasphemy. You have betrayed our sacred doctrine. Your doctrine, Father, not mine. Switch that off, you murderer. We played God and it was not our place. Arrive, kill, come. That's enough, Keres. Let them go. We're free. Doctor, I can't stop it. Help me. Quickly, Doctor. You're losing control. Control of what? The creature. He said I can handle it. He was wrong. No! No! I won't fail! No! No! Welcome. This was very early on as my, uh, as my what? In my time as executive producer. I remember I did a lot of work on the script. Um, it was a very interesting one. A fantastic cast there, isn't it? Robert Glenister mm. and Christopher Villiers. And this is when Conrad Westmas was playing Keriz, 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 Karaz, Karuz. And Conrad, such a lovely human being. Uh, wonderful to work with. And it was his exit story, wasn't it? It was his last story. Yes, it was. Yes, you're right. Yeah, crazy stuff from Scott Allen Woodard here, a writer of some note who who continues to work very successfully in America. Uh, a lovely guy. Um, yeah. Uh, who else is in the cast? Let's have a look. Oh, Jeff Breton. I think he's done all sorts of things since. Let's look him up. Hmm. You've got um, Natalie Mendoza's in it, Hotel Babylon. Oh, she's incredible. And Spider-Man, actually, uh, Turn Off the Dark as a Rackney. Yeah, she, she's an incredible actor. We should get her back at some point. Uh, yes, uh, Jeff has done all sorts of things. He's done Lewis and Doctors and Hollyoaks and Inspector George Gently, The Crown he's been in, The Rotters Club, Blue Murder, you know. He's a very accomplished actor. Wins awards and things, you know. The Windsor Awards. Oh, wow. The Windsor Awards <laughs> for the crown. Yeah, so there you go. Um, uh, well, Ran, and, oh, incredible. Uh, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, uh, would you like to... Uh, it says here, it's last week's script. It says, which of you would like to explain? <laughs> which of you Susans would like to explain about... Myself the, uh, and Susan G. Um... Yes, absolutely. All you need to do is go to www.bigfinish.com. Oh, I must email her. Um, and when you go onto there, go along the menu to podcasts uh, on podcast. We'll have a little article with the latest release and click read more. On read more in the blurb, it'll say just click here and enter the code buck up. B U C K U P uh, into that one there, buck up. Enter it in and you'll get 25% off. Great way to save some pennies and have some bennies, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> I don't no know. Bennies. It sounded good. It obviously wasn't quite that good. Uh, I've emailed that off. That's good. That's good. Good. Well, thanks, Ryan, for another great selection nation. 
quite remarkable. Uh, next week's podcast is entitled Torchwood Peladon. Not a bonkers crossover, but a reference to the fact that it will feature a behind-the-scenes look and drama tease of our new Peladon box set. Uh, do we want to explain Peladon to the uninitiated? Certainly, yes. Well, Peladon uh, starred in two... It's a setting, it's a place that was in two it's John Pertwee yeah. stories... Uh, back in the 70s fantastic sort of political stories weren't they the curse and, and the monster quite of often peladon involving ice warriors well both yes. of them the curse of peladon and the monster of peladon were the two tv yeah stories is it 50 years since p- p- those stories it probably is very it? possibly yeah and it was it was mm. always very interesting because it was sort of all about yeah the political aspects and uh, you have a whole bunch of uh, different aliens don't you there representing their various planets uh, lots of people saying the Earth delegate over and over again. Uh, the Earth delegate, the Earth delegate, um, the Earth delegate. Exactly like that. Silicate. There's also a man called Hepesh, which is try. Sorry, stop. Pause the podcast right now and just say out loud Hepesh because it's a, a very nice word to say. Actually, Hepesh. Yeah. Hepesh. Ortron is quite nice as well. What word? Sorry. Ortron. Ortron. Yes, that chance, is, isn't it? It was Chancellor in uh, Chancellor Monster Ultron. Peladon. Yes. Ortron. Ortron. Should I do as Ortron says? What were the name of the names of the miners? What were they called? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Um, they always annoy me because they've got silly hair. <laughs> they've got um, really weird Really hair cuts weird afros. Sort of like um, badgers. Yeah, like rubbish, like a mix between sort of badgers and Vera Duckworth. Sort of that big round Vera Duckworth curly... is a character from... Uh, Coronation Street. Thank you very much. Well, should we look up Monster of Peladon? Meladon, as I like to call it. I've never called it that before. Uh, what are the names? Uh, Gebek was the head of the miners, Gebek. wasn't he? Etis and Ge- Gebek. They sound like yeah. lawyers, don't they? Etis and Gebek. <laughs> lawyers and accountants. Interesting character called Blore. Blore. Eckersley. And of course, yeah, Eckersley. Donald G is Eckersley. Uh, Donald G, very similar to Tom Baker as an actor and his look and the way he carries himself it's interesting isn't it I wonder it? if they, they come from the same sort of background maybe uh, they're probably both from Liverpool I imagine are they maybe possibly there's not a lot on Donald G no nothing oh, there no oh of course Terry Walsh there as guard captain and the, and John Pertwee's double in a big fight scene when you can absolutely <laughs> see that it's Terry Walsh. Anyway, that's explaining Peloton. Uh, and an also available segment on our latest Torchwood release. Yes, I'm talking about next week's podcast. I know it was three years ago. It's called uh, Caddock Point. There's still no details about that out, so about which I currently know nothing. Caddock Point. Caddock's a good name. Hmm. I mean, my name's Where is Caddock. It? Is, Jack is it actually Caddock. a real place, Caddock Point? I don't know. Let's have a look. Caddock Point. St. Caddock's Point. Ah, in Cornwall. In Cornwall. Uh, the third mm. one down is Torchwood Caddock Point. Yeah, in the monthly range of Doctor Who. Uh, Doctor Who, sorry, big finish. St. <laughs> Caddock, Almost yeah, the same thing. Caddock of Cornwall. Uh, according to William of Wor- Worcester, writing in the 15th century, Caddock, also Condor, Candorus, and other variants was a survivor of the Cornish royal line royal line royal line at the time of the Norman conquest in 1066 well, one thing's for certain we know our susans we know our susans here in this church town of st clements uh, <laughs> I, I might just read the whole article and bore everybody to oh, tears 
Um, but um, just time now to thank you all for listening <laughs> and continuing to support our audio endeavours, the AE. Uh, please, whatever you do, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and pass the word around about Big Finish. Lovely for the love of stories. For the love Bye. of stories. Goodbye. For the love. For, for... for the love of stories. Time now for Doctor Who, Charlotte Pollard, The Mummy Speaks by Alan Barnes and starring India Fisher as Charlie. Oh, and um, Paul McGann as the Doctor, of course. I love stories. That was The Mummy. <laughs> The only place in the world where one can relax entirely, you said. A spirit all of its own, you said. Like a wine, it has a bouquet, you said. I did. Well, it's got a bouquet, all right. Doctor, it absolutely honks. It's Paris, Charlie. City of light, city of life, city of love. Come to think of it, it does smell a bit. A bit? I suppose it's all relative. Last time I was here, the same was full of rotting corpses. Oh, well, aren't I the lucky one? You promised me La Belle Epoque, the Folie Bergère. You said Toulouse-Lautrec would paint my picture if I wore this stupid scarf. I think we're a bit early. The destination monitor's been sticking lately, ever since a certain someone spilled ginger pop on the console. Mm. How early? I didn't come to make a date with Madame Guillotine, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, nobody's going to think you're an Aristo in disguise. But I am an Aristo in disguise. Oh, yes, the airship steward's uniform. Well... We're past all that, probably. Probably is not good enough, is it? Look, let's just find out, shall we? <clears throat> Excuse me, sir. Uh, me? Could you tell me what year is this? Pardon? Could you tell me what year is this? I heard you the first time. I don't understand why you're putting on a boy's voice, that's all. Please humour her. She's an aristo in disguise. Doctor! Well, why didn't she say? It's 1841, little aristo boy. Are you here for the uh, carnival, sirs? The carnival? Oh, you want the carnival? Ten some teams and I'll show you the way. Thank you, madam. The carnival's in February. February 1841. Three months late for Napoleon's funeral. Napoleon? I thought he'd been dead for yonks. This is when they brought his body back from St. Helena. Picture the scene. A vast cortege passing under the Arc de Triomphe to the sound of distant cannons. A funeral carriage 32 feet high pulled by 16 horses. With 14 giant gilded statues holding the former emperor aloft. All of Paris was there. Goodness, all that fuss over one tiny coffin. <gasps> Pardon? Oh. oh, sorry, I dropped the voice. Your meaning was plain. You insulted the great Bonaparte. Oh, look, I didn't mean tiny, tiny. I meant nicely small. <gasps> Compact. You soldiers, did, did you hear this? This boy insulted Bonaparte himself. He did what? He called the little corporal tiny. <gasps> well, that's not fair. She called him little. <gasps> 
someone should thrash him, teach him some respect. Doctor, do something. 1841, they're still quite big on Bowney around here. <gasps> Bowney? Yeah, it's an affectionate name. I knew him. He was fine, wasn't it? I knew Josephine when she was yeah yet. Your tongue drips of insolence, sir. Did you hear? The boy's master mocks Bonaparte now. Oh, the boy calls Bonaparte tinier than his master. Oh, Lord, we seem to have roused the mob. Indeed, Miss Pollard. When I say courier... Don't worry, I'll courier like a lapper. Courier! Come back, both of you. Come simply run off. Not like the common con men who taint this carnival with their hocus pocus. Apaches, mermaids, bearded ladies may be found anywhere in Europe. Behind this curtain, I, Cagliostro, curator of the uncanny, promise you a new sensation. The strangest creature you will ever behold if you live to be fourscore years or more. A mighty pharaoh, disinterred from deep beneath Egypt's shifting sands. No, wait! There is more to it than that. Trust me when I say this is no bandaged corpse, immobile in his sarcophagus. For just a few paltry coins, you will hear tales from the cracked lips of one who knew the Queen of the Nile herself who watched the pyramids built with his own milky eyes. Come, sir, come, madam, for tonight the mummy speaks. Dilettante type pass by with an Aristo boy hanging by his coattails, maybe casting cruel aspersions on Bonaparte. Doctor, that fat gendarme is looking for us. Prefect, not gendarme. It's all right in here. We're in the middle of a figurative haystack, so long as we keep out of sight behind the tents. Sorry, back there, you said courier, but courier means run. I thought the TARDIS translated everything we say in here. She does, but she takes a moment or two to catch up if we switch languages suddenly. There it is. No, wait, I wanted to say, there it is. No, not et voila, there... Oh, what? Yes, it doesn't work if you overthink it. Oh, no. The gendarmes are coming this way. 
Have you got a penknife in those pockets like a real Boy Scout? Of course. Yeah, but Charlie, they've got swords. I didn't mean to fight with them. I meant to cut through the canvas around the back of this tent. Good idea. But if it belongs to those Apaches, we're in trouble. I thought you were great chums with Geronimo. It's 1841. He's barely shot his first arrow. Depeche toi, will you? So you can get in the hang of it. Ladies and gentlemen, in the spirit of friendly warning, I should say that what you are about to experience may awe you, or shock you, maybe even horrify you. So if anyone here is having second thoughts about subjecting their nerves to the strain, now is your last chance to leave and receive a full refund. No one? Well, don't say you weren't warned. <laughs> Silence! Jacques! Play! Cast your minds back 40 years to when the Emperor Bonaparte, God preserve him, led his army into Cairo. On arrival, he issued this decree. For too long, Egypt's rulers have insulted it's the It's black as molasses in here. I have a you should be somewhere. Someone's saying something up ahead. Oh, Doctor, it's a show. We're backstage in the sideshow tent. It's hardly surprising. Everyone's looking at some fellow in a turban. We can sneak through the curtain and wait for the mob to pass by. Charlie, we don't have tickets. Just come on. And in their rank. Happy are those who will be neutral. They will get to know us over time and join their ranks with ours. But unhappy, thrice unhappy, are those who fight against us. There shall be no hope for them. They shall perish. Such treasures they brought back with them to France. Golden things, wonderful things, but none more wonderful than the golden sarcophagus in which was found the corpse of the emissary Carset, intact and undecayed. How off it? Undecayed? Your skepticism does you credit, friend. It is indeed incredible to think that the secrets of the embalmers of the court of Queen Natokris are lost to us. Natokris? The last pharaoh of the sixth dynasty? I suppose you knew her. Queen Natokris is like nobody knew her. Almost every trace of her was scoured from history. Why? Some people say she was the Messalina of the Nile. With an insatiable appetite for murder, others that her reign was cut short by some sudden disaster. Either way... Wait! What's that thing he's holding? Remember, of course, how the great Galvini of Italy used electricity to return the spark of life to the recently hanged. I, Cagliostro, have discovered that same spark applied by means of this lightning wand may be returned to the far longer dead if the corpse is preserved correctly. Lightning wand? More like a cattle prod. What's a cattle prod? Basically that. Those of you in the front, shield your eyes. There will be sparks. Awake, mighty cassette. Awake ye. Awake. Take something out of Mrs. Shelley. I did know her. As a matter of fact. Cassette, 
Can you hear me? Speak, Cassette! Speak! I can hear you, Silence! Silence! Let those who have fainted lie in the dust. Does anyone have a question they'd like to ask the great Cassette? How does he feel? I feel... old. Did you know Cleopatra? I knew no Cleopatra. <laughs> He must have been the only man in Egypt who didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't have. Cleopatra was a good thousand years past his time. It's a trick, it must be. There's one way to be sure. Doctor. Excuse me. I have a question I'd like to ask Carset. Ah, the skeptic. Come closer so you may look into Carset's ancient eyes. And your boy. Thank you. What I'd like to ask Carset is this. What? Cease your babbling, sir! He's right, you're making a terrible noise. Sorry about that, Charlie. Not all the languages of the Old Kingdom are recorded in the TARDIS databanks, so what you're hearing is an error in translation. And everyone else? They don't understand it either. You hear that, Charlie? He said he understands me. All I'm getting is earache. Enough! Does anyone else have a question for Carset? I do. In French, this time. Carset, do you speak French? I have learned your language. Your master. Does he hurt you when he uses the lightning rod? No, no, not you. Someone else. Every day, he hurts me very, very much. Ignore him, ladies and gentlemen. His French is not so good. He does not understand. Please, someone, release me from this torment. I'd sooner stay dead than stay like this. Oh, you poor thing. That's enough. Someone call a prefect. These people are spoiling my show. On the contrary, I'd say it just got very interesting. Hold them. Arrest them. Time we've begun, Charlie. He's right. Carset, we'll come back, I promise. Come on. I promised him we'd go back. First, we need to not get arrested. Wait, where's your scarf? Oh, oh, I must have dropped it. Please, there is so much more the mummy can tell you about the pyramids and their wriggling sphinx and the heathen gods in their great star groves. You're wasting your breath. You repulse them. Wretched creature. Never forget, I own you, body and soul. Heart and soul. One day, I'll be free. Sleep now. <laughs> Sleep until later tonight. Mr. Caliostro, my old friend. Uh, Prefect Leroy, a uh, pleasure. Oh, business, surely. 
A, a Byronic dilettante and an Aristo boy causing trouble? That, yes. Yes, they ruined my performance. Mm. Well, the pharaohs also, I understand. I must say, I find it extraordinary to see the mummy now. It's completely still.